You're listening to the Cornerstone Word of Life Church podcast. We hope you enjoy this teaching from Pastor Mark. For more information on our church, please visit cwol.org. We're talking about real faith. Remember when Paul talked to Timothy and he said, he talked about, the King James says, unfeigned faith. And so that's not a word we use today, but unfeigned just means real. And so remember he said, I, I get them mixed up sometime, but I think his grandma was named Lois. Mama was named Eunice. And so it was something within their family that had Paul called unfeigned faith. So it was the real faith. So King James would be then feigned faith would be what? Fake faith. And so a lot of times, you know, a lot of times we, um, and around here, you hear the word of God about, and faith, and you know, faith is not a movement. You need to get rid of that. Faith is not a movement. Faith is a foundational doctrine. And without faith, it's, so wouldn't the devil try hard for you not to please the Lord, right? So faith is not a movement. Uh, faith is not a work system. I think some people around in our circles, you know, faith is punch this button, pull this lever, um, say 10 words. And, you know, if, you did, if after your 10 words it doesn't happen, you don't have any faith. But that's not it either. And so that's kind of where I'm just tearing things apart a little bit. Um, not to produce uh, a work system because it's by grace through faith. It's not, well, I'm of the grace camp. I'm of the faith camp. There are no two, there's no two camps there, 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 you know, so break camp. Hallelujah. Uh, it's one camp. It's by grace through faith. Amen. And you know, um, I know, um, this, that, uh, the Lord wants us to receive. So faith's not a works program. I remember you've heard me tell this story, but it pops up again. So I get to tell it myself one more time. Remember, I guess it's been eight, nine years ago. When we were building this building coming from the lay frame. Um, it got to be a lot for me and we needed it. We were there, you know, I need this money. I need that. We got to do this. We got to have that and all that. And it got to be a lot of pressure. And I mean, I was really, you know, um, this is how, you know, you're not in faith when you have to strain a gut. When you have to, you, you, you know, amp it up, pray in tongues hard, loud, you know what I'm saying? And so the Lord, you know, I'm going to tell you this because it's important for you as we go forward, because I don't want you to get in a works program. I don't, as we teach this, I don't want you to get all, did I'm doing that right? Am I doing that right? No, come on, relax. Just receive the word of God. Let it help you. But remember what he said to me. Some of you, many of you can quote it by now. You've heard it so many times, but it's relevant. Because I know if I can get into this, other people can get this. And the Lord spoke to me, to my heart. I don't mean I heard an audible voice. But he spoke to me. He said, does your faith move me? And me being a very proud graduate of where I'm from, having Mark 11, 23 and 24, you know, everywhere. You know, um, I said to him, yes, Lord, my faith moves you. And then he so nicely said to me, I don't need your faith to move me. I've already been moved. I need you to receive. How many of you know, you don't, when someone gets born again, did they move the Lord to the cross? Did they move him to come up out of hell again? No, he's already sat down. Come on, somebody say, it is finished. And what did we do with salvation? We receive. How, how do you get healed? You receive it. How do you walk in the blessings of God? You receive it. How do you get the peace of God? Receive it. It's all about receiving. Everybody say, I'm a good receiver. Ooh, I'm a good receiver. 
And so we've been talking about that. So many things, Romans 10, um, you know, 17, now faith comes by and and yet, when we look at that, remember, we kind of broke this down, went to the original language. Faith comes by hearing. Of course, you've got to hear it with your natural ears, but there's another hearing. It's in your spirit, in the cardia, in the center of you. And the faith, faith comes by hearing and hearing by the word of God. That word, word there is not logos, it's rhema. And so we, we talked about having a rhema. Now, just, just for review, because everyone knows, uh, you can't have a rhema unless you know the logos. Don't ever discard logos. Don't ever, don't ever discard the written word of God. It's as much as a spiritual armor than your, the sword of the spirit that comes out of your mouth. So I don't, I don't want people to be like, well, we just need a rhema. We need a rhema. Well, you can't get a rhema until you're in the logos. Read your Psalms, 90 days. Come on, come on, get involved. Even if you don't want to talk, get involved. Get the word. And as you're reading it, believe God for Rhema to come. Believe God for him to attach New Testament scriptures to what you're reading. Uh, he, the Holy Ghost will, will teach you and he'll help you as you're reading. Amen. But faith comes by hearing a Rhema. It's not, it says Rhema Christos. What is Christos? It's the anointing. It's not Jesus' last name. It's the anointing. So thank God for the word of God that comes to you as you're reading, as you're studying, as you're hearing. Remember in Romans 10, it talks about how can they hear without a preacher. And so guess what? You need preachers. You need teachers that are anointed. Not just preachers. You need anointed preachers and teachers. Why? Because rhema comes that way. That's, that's how you got born again. You heard, right? And so that's how it works. God needs all of us. Amen. And then we talked about this. And here we go. We're I'm trying to review fast. The more of these I put in line, the more I got, you know, some of my favorite preachers, um, you know, uh, Brother Keith Moore, uh, he reviews so long that he has five minutes to give a new thing. So I'm trying to beat him. Um, I'm going to give 10, you know, at least 10 good minutes. No, but, but my point is this. Sometimes when you review, further revelation comes of what you already viewed. But we talked about this. So faith comes by hearing, hearing by the word of God. Then we talked about how to turn a logos into a rhema. You got to do what God told Joshua in Joshua 1, 8 and 9. You got to meditate. Part of meditating is speaking the word. Part of meditating is letting it go through your three gates to your heart. You know, you got three gates to your heart. Your three gates to your heart are your eye gate, your ear gate, your mouth gate. Your mouth gate's the biggest gate. So sometimes as you're speaking the word of God, it's a seed that goes down into your soil. As you're reading the word of God, don't get mad at people if they haven't studied yet, if they've never read. First, you got to start with reading. You can't, you can't study till you read. So read the word of God. What is that? That seed going into your eye gate. The Holy Ghost is a teacher. He wrote that. He wrote that. He knows it. And so while you're reading it, ask him to talk to you about it. Ask him to reveal. Pray the eyes of your understanding would be enlightened. Because see, the rhema you get is the enlightened word of God that you have. Your heart has been illuminated. Remember, the Lord even said, they have eyes, but they can't see. They have ears, but they can't hear. Lest when they hear it, they would be converted. So the word of God is always about converting you to the truth. Amen. And so all that's going on. And then we finally got to this. Faith is of the, and that word heart is cardia. It's the center of you. Actually, now that we've gone a little further, it, I believe it, from studying out all these years, the cardia, the center of you, like the center of a watermelon, or back in the day when they used wooden bats, when you heard a crack off of the middle of the bat, that's the heart of the bat. That's what gets you a home run. And, and, and so that's kind of what the, uh, you know, I tell this story all the time. When Pastor Ron and I first get married, you know, during the summer we buy a big watermelon and um, I'd eat the heart out of it. 
and put tinfoil over the two sides and put it back. I was really selfish. She broke me of that. But anyway, so don't do that anymore. But the heart is the center spot. That's your, that's where your spirit resides. I also believe it's where your soul resides. And then I don't have time to get into this, but I know some of you wanted to jump ahead. So I jumped ahead on Sunday morning to living faith and got you the spirit, soul, and body part of faith. Because I know some of you are antsy trying to get there because I could hear it while I'm teaching. Yeah, but what about? Yeah, but what about? See, you've been taught on faith so long you can't even slow down. You're already ahead of me. So we got you, we got you all fixed up. Go, go on Sunday mornings and get that and you'll be fixed. You'll be able to hold for a while till I get there because we're really going slower. So faith is of the heart. In order to get born again, where did you believe? In your heart, not with your mind. And I tell people this, and it's really, you know, we'll get to it. And we, and we did it a little bit on Sunday morning. You don't believe God with even a renewed mind. You understand what I'm saying now since I started saying Because people look at me kind of funny when I said that. Do you need to renew your mind? Do you? You have to. But it's not what you believe with. You don't believe with knowledge. You don't believe with knowledge. Get all of it. My people perish for lack of it. And because they reject knowledge, that the rest of that scripture says. But you can't believe with it. You believe with your heart. How do you know you saved? Where do you know? Because you got all this knowledge finally and now you really know you're saved. No. You know you're saved because you know. Where do you know? Well, your knower knows. Where's your knower? It's in your heart. How would you know you're healed? Because you look around. No. How would you know? In your heart. How do you know you're blessed? How do you know all those things? See, I'm, I'm going to make a confession. I don't really fight with it like I used to about 30 some odd years ago. But do you ever remember when you first got born in, sometimes did you not feel saved? Some of you may still sometime, but you know what I mean? Being saved is not a feeling. Even this, being saved will produce corresponding actions. Why? Because you had a nature change. Because you believe in Jesus. It will automatically cause corresponding actions. That's another sermon for another day. But it's how faith works. So we've been talking about those kind of things. And then we finally got, so here we are at the heart. Um, Mark eleven twenty three. What did Jesus say? Whoever will say into this mountain and not doubt in his renewed mind, in his heart, in his cardia, right? And so we talked about that. And though, so then we begin to talk about something. Now, Jesus, this is in Matthew, it's in Mark, and it's in Luke. So when you got three parables, I remember when I first got born again, because I didn't know anything except Noah had a boat. And I, I knew God was mad at me. <laughs> and when I came back to the Lord and I discovered all, Noah, there was more than Noah had a boat in the Bible. And God wasn't mad at me. And then as I began to read, I figured out when something is repeated in the Gospels, it must be important. And so this is in all three Gospels. And the truth of the matter is, it said, if you don't understand this parable, or you got to understand this parable to understand all the parables. And so Jesus, and sometimes when people teach on faith, they go from, and I do it too, and have done it, and done it many times, I'm probably going to do it again. But, you know, we take, you know, just the woman with the issue of blood. 
we look at her and what? She heard something. And because she heard something, she believed something. And then, it's true, she began to say something, right? And then she did something. And then she received something. And those are the basic principles of faith. And so as we teach that, we don't ever look at this part. And a lot of people who teach on faith don't ever look at this part. But Jesus looked at this part. So guess what we're going to do? We're going to look at this part. There's four kinds of soil. Number one is the concrete soil where seed is thrown and it does, immediately the devil comes to steal it away. Let's stop here again. Is there anything wrong with the seed? There's four kinds of soil. But all four kinds of soil, you're supposed to understand, get all the same seed. Right? Is there anything wrong with God's word? That's why you and I got to be careful about this logos when people start to, we, we can't be listening to anybody who say, well, you know, it's not all true. Well, it's all true. It's all correctly recorded. Now, everything Job said wasn't true about God, but it's correctly recorded. Right? And then there's old covenant and new covenant. And, but, but, but this is inspired. This is God. He wrote to you. This is seed. This is seed, and seed will produce something. The word of God said it'll never, and never is a big word, it'll never return void. Never return void. But it'll always accomplish what it was sent to do. There is DNA in every scripture. There, there is this seed. has Just like I said last time, tomatoes produce tomatoes. Corn produces corn. Right? And that seed, when it goes in, it'll produce what it was sent to do. This will produce salvation. This will produce healing. This will produce peace. This will produce joy. This will produce good marriages. This will produce kids who will grow up, children who will grow up and follow the Lord all the days of their life. This, this produces. It produces because it's seed. Because God puts something in this seed that will produce. So where it's got to get, though? It's got to find some soil. Okay, now we're ready to go. Well, we're not quite ready to go. All right, so remember last time, so we talked about the, the, the concrete soil. We talked about the, it's just, you know, and the birds represent the devil, come get it right away. Then we talked about this other kind of soil called, the Bible calls it, Jesus called it stony. And so these people have soil. There's some soil in there, but they've got four major things that what happens when the word of God comes, they receive it with joy. They receive it with joy. And so you can't determine how someone's going to do based on how they hear. You can't determine how someone's faith life is based on how they hear. Because in the second group of people, they heard it with joy. In other words, they said, pop the clutch. In other words, they said, amen. And they went, "Woo, that's good. But guess what happened? They let have some things in their life. And you know what? So all of us have to look at this. And maybe there's seasons at your life. You know, listen to me. If you've taken the time to get all four of these stones out, don't let anybody right now put them back in. Because I see the devil working overtime in social media, on the news, through other believers, trying to put these stones back in your soil. What are these four stones? Real quick. Affliction. Persecution tribulation, temptation. And we looked at all four of those and all four of those, the scripture, those four things, if you'll do it, uh, you'll see places where everybody who is believing, who, who is born again, you can overcome each and every one of those. 
And I gave you scripture after scripture of how you overcome all four of those. So what do you do when you first get started though? But what does it say at the end of that? They were offended. They were offended. Just let's take a little brief detour since we've taken so many already because I really didn't plan on reviewing too much, but here we are. I just love, I'm having so much fun teaching on this. Walking by faith has changed my life. Living by faith has changed my life. 30 years of proof, 30 plus years of proof, the word of God works. Amen. I'm so grateful for this. I'm so grateful for the word of God. So what else do we know when it comes, it says, uh, when it says they were offended, this group, this second group, they were offended. Um, I see in the body of Christ right now, lots of offense coming. Now, I'm not going to turn to the scripture, but Hebrew talks about a root of bitterness. I, I think I'm going to go back next week. Maybe we'll look at it. The Bible talks about different things with roots that have to do with your soil. G, the word of God, Jesus didn't mention in the parable, but it's out throughout the word of God. I just felt led to, to do this one tonight. Um, how the Bible says out of the abundance of your, where we believe what Proverbs 4, 20 through 24 says, what it says out of your heart flow, the issues of life, guard it with all diligence. So you and I are supposed to have a guard at our heart. Who's going to guard your heart? Only you. If you've got a good wife like I do, she can help you. My, my wife helps me. We help each other. Amen. Teach your children how to guard their heart. Why? Because this is where the seed is. This is where things are out of the issues of your heart. That flows your life. It's, it's a big deal. It's a big deal. It's a big deal what you listen to. It's a big deal because if you get offended, even when Jesus in Mark 11, 22, 23, and 24, everybody stops there, but 25 and 26, he didn't take but a breath and said, if you stand praying, stand praying in what? Whatsoever things you desire when you pray, believe you receive them and you'll have them. If you stand praying and you have unforgiveness in your heart, he said, it's okay. I got that covered. Forget about it. Forget about it. No, is that what he said? He said, handle it. Didn't he say handle it? Didn't he say handle it? You're living in an hour and a day. When you and I cannot afford to be offended. Come on, everybody just say it by say, I will not be offended. I will not be offended. And I will not take the offense. So you got to take offense. Are there some mean folks out there? Are, are, do people say stupid stuff? All day long, every day. You may have been one of them. I may have been one of them. I'll, I'll, yeah. But it says, if you don't deal with it, then really what you do is you put a block. And this is the deal, though, with unforgiveness. Hebrews talks. Yes, Lord. Um, it's um, it's uh, when, um, when you put uh, unforgiveness, then can mature into bitterness. Remember what he said? He said um, that root of bitterness springs up. So where'd that root come from? Remember, when you got soil, the first thing you see is a root system. Remember we talked about that, how the seed of the word of God, the first thing it does is produce a root. That's why in this, this stony ground, there is soil there, so there's enough for a shallow root that springs up something immediately and looks like everything's great. But this is shallow soil. And so there's a, sh there's a little bit of root. And if you're going to have a good plant, you're going to have to have a good root system. So a lot of times when people like us, you know, they get excited when they see something, when they see a tree producing fruit. But really, it's just like a building. If you're going to create a, a, um, a huge, tall building, you better have a foundation. Amen. 
You're going to have to go deep. Right. And so this offense, what does offense nurse do? It produces a root system it, and it becomes a, a, a bitterness. And then it says it springs up. Then it says this next word defile. The word defile means to rape. Means to rape. That's pretty graphic. Many. So the deal about people who are bitter and offended, they don't want to be bitter and offended alone. And I don't think this, sometimes when they, they're kind of blind of it, they don't even mean to get other people off. It's just out of the abundance of their heart, their mouth leaks. And they just start sowing seeds. They don't even know they're doing it. I really don't believe they necessarily know they're doing it. So what are we doing? We're going to guard our heart with all diligence. Come on, anything that riles you up today, that makes you mad at somebody, I, I just unfriend turn it off and get in the word. You do not have, do not be letting people throw weeds or try to put a stone back in your cleared soil. Mark chapter four, Mark chapter four. Let's just for time's sake, can you give me um, the Amplified Classic? I'm gonna read this first, but can you get up the Amplified Classic for me? Uh, Mark 4, 7. And some fell on thorns, and the thorns grew up and choked it and yielded no fruit. And then uh, I wanna look at this, Mark chapter four, verses 18, 19, classified. Classified, not the classifieds. Do they even do those anymore? Mark chapter four, over 18, 19, Amplified Classic, please. And then one sows among the thorns are other... Others who hear the word. Verse 19. Then the cares and the anxieties of the world and distractions of the age. Aren't there many? And the pleasure and delight and false glamour and deceitfulness of riches and the craving and passionate desire for other things creep in. Creep in. Creep in and choke and suffocate the word and it becomes fruitless. So looking at Matthew. Looking at Mark, looking at Luke, I'm going to give you an overview like I've done on all the soils. So first of all, these people receive the word. They believe it. There's a good root system in them because they've cleared all the stones out. There's a good root system in these people. All right. Um, the plant springs up. The ear of corn comes up. It's looking good. It's going somewhere to happen. And then... The Bible, you look at all four of them, ears get on the corn stalk. Fruit comes. Fruit comes. But what happens is then weeds come. And there's four kinds of weeds. And we're going to look at them. It's interesting there's four of these too. I don't think it's just an limited only. I think it's Jesus just giving us the highlights and the kinds of weeds that try to get into your heart. Um, so weeds come. And when the weeds come, it chokes out the fruit. If you've ever, if we've got any gardeners in here, especially in the state of Alabama, if you don't take care of the weeds, you know, uh, your, your grass, whatever, weeds, weeds, weeds. And what do they do with fruit? They choke it out. They choke it out. They choke it out. It's not a necessarily a stone problem. It's not enough that you don't have enough good soil. It's you got another problem. So how did those weeds get in there? Through your eye gate, through your ear gate, through your mouth gate. It's what the devil sows. 
It's what the devil sows. Be careful to not look at, hear, or talk about what the devil's sowing. It's not harmless. Well, it's just harmless. It's not harmless. It's not harmless. Um, putting all three of these together, there's no fruit. It says no fruit comes to maturity. It doesn't mean that there's no fruit ever. It just means, it, man, what a frustrating, what a frustrating thing to have three good ears on a corn stalk. I know this coming from Illinois, having you planted it, you watched it, you know, uh, you kept the deer out of it. The, I mean, we got it here at it and it, it goes bad. It's choked out. I saw it. It was coming up. It's there. Can't get it. What, 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 a, what a frustrating life to hear the word, to know it's true. To hear the word, to know it's true and never seem to get a hold of it. Is that God's highest and best? It is not. But it's not on the seed. It's not even necessarily on the soil on this one. It's what else you, you and I let in. And I'm going to what you and I let in. Right? It's never on God. Well, it must not. You know, these kind of people, are, they're, 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 they've got enough knowledge that they can't say, well, I know, I know it was the will of God. I know it's the will of God because they know the word of God. They know the will of God. They know it, but they're, but letting things in that choke it out. Amen. All right. Now, so what are these? And we're going to tackle them all, hopefully deceitfulness of riches, pleasures, lust in this life, lust of other things, cares of this world. So let's talk about it. Let's go with the big one. Let's go with the big dog first. Deceitfulness of riches. Pastor Mark, I don't do what? Deceitfulness of riches. Listen to me. I, we spend every service we give you. I have two associates, Travis, Miss Mary, give you the word. We have others that could do it. Um, we give you the word that God wants you to be rich. He wants you to be blessed. And I'm not going to be apologizing for the word rich. Because we're blessed to be, a, if you hang out here long enough, you're going to figure this out. We are blessed to be a blessing. If you don't believe in prosperity, you can't sell $40,000 to crusades. You can't buy missionaries' cars. We, we just sent 200 kids to school this year with brand new Nikes. Those are not cheap. I appreciate Walmart shoes, but we sent them in Nikes. So the other kids in this area wouldn't wear, those are cool shoes. God gave them to me, not cornerstone. God gave them to me. So we're blessed to be a, but you see, we got to watch when you teach on that, you got to make sure that when you teach on prosperity, when you teach it, you got to make sure that people don't start getting dollar signs for pupils and they begin to be more concerned about money than pleasing God. So you say, well, you know, you, you know, people talk, I've heard people say in criticism, they say, well, you talk about money too much. No, we don't. It just shows me where your heart is concerning money. Cause we're talking about giving it <laughs> so that we can receive it so that we can give it again. And so we can take care of people. And so uh, we can make sure the work of God is done. All those flags represent uh, Bible schools that we fund. And almost all of them, we're their number one givers as a church. Your money is working for God. But at the same time, um, I'm not going to avoid hard scriptures that talk about money and the concerns of it. And so you got to get this. 
because this is really important. Because if you don't understand these scriptures that I'm about to tell you, you will get off in money and it will shipwreck your faith. Okay, number one, Luke 16.10. Everybody good? Luke 16.10. Luke 16.10 says, he that is faithful in that which is least is also faithful in much. He that is unjust in the least is also unjust in the much. Therefore, you have not been faithful in unrighteous mammon. What does that mean? It's just, it's just regular. Money's just regular stuff. Who will commit to you true riches? So let's stop right there. Money is a test. Does God test you? He tests you with your money. Are you going to obey him? Are you going to be a tither? Are you going to be a giver? Are you going to do what he says with your money? If he prompts you in a grocery store to buy the person behind you, not before you look at their cart and see how much they have, but you know, are you going to do that? You know, the person behind you in Chick-fil-A, I'm going to buy their thing. Don't look to see if there's six of them back there. Just do what the Holy Ghost says do. You may be buying a milkshake or you might be buying six meals, but just do it. Just do it. <laughs> just do it. Hallelujah. Listen to me. Money's a test. What's it a test for? True riches. I've heard prosperity teachers teach this way. Am I a prosperity? I'm a prosperity teacher. Listen to me. But I've heard them say, well, God gives you the little amount so that you can get to the millions and billions. True riches here is not talking about money. That is not talking about money. That's not, listen, if true riches is gold and silver, God uses that for paving material. He's not talking about, that's not true riches. True riches is the anointing. True riches are miracles, signs, wonders, anointing, people, their, their destinies in your hands. And yet he uses money. If you, don't, if you cannot obey God with your money, you are not going to obey him with the greater things. Praise. Can he trust you? I think I've got a whole church full of folk he can trust. All right, we, let's move on. And if you have not been faithful in that, which is another man's. Well, the tithes is another man's. Anyway, he'll give you that which is your own. Where you work. You need to treat their money. You need to treat their stuff like it's your stuff. You need to take care of their stuff. That, 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 can, that laptop's not yours unless they gave you permission to take it home. I remember when I worked at McDonald's, not McDonald Douglas, McDonald's. I worked my way through uh, college and Bible school. But especially when I was in Bible school, I tell this story all the time. But people would get mad at me because I treated that, that place like it was mine. I, I treated that place like it was mine. I hired employees like they, it was mine. I treated them like they were mine. I believe God, instead of um, having lazy days where nobody would come, we would believe, we would set great goals. I tell you this story all the time, but my backslidden assembly of God, uh, general manager, one time the owner called. He said, what are you, what, what's, what's going to happen today? What are you projecting today? And she, I remember, I'll never forget it. She held her hand up and she said, Mark, what are you all believing for today? She knew we were believing for something. I did. I set my faith on it. Amen. Bless somebody else's. Well, I want to own my own business. Well, if you're working for somebody else in their business, then do it unto the Lord. Okay, we got to go. We got to go. Um, no servant can serve two masters. Is that true? Either he'll hate the one. If you serve money, you're going to hate God. If you serve it. Money is a tool. 
I'm going to jump ahead because of time. Listen, <laughs> y'all listen really good. Hallelujah. Listen, um, you don't make decisions based on money. I'm around here, everybody's upwardly mobile. But you should not ever make a decision in your life based on how much money someone's going to pay you. That's being money-minded. It's ungodly. Don't ever take a job because it's $20,000 more than what you're making. You should pray about it. And if the Lord says, okay, then what should you do? You take it and rejoice and up your tithe. And, and, and so, right? But if the Lord says, don't take it, then don't take it and keep tithing where you're at. Because he's faithful. You can't serve God in money. Pastor, isn't that contradictory what you all teach around here? It's not. If you get that out of what you hear from the offerings, you're not getting it right. We don't. Everything is not about money. Money's a tool, like a hammer. It's just a tool, like a hammer. And you need it. And Jesus paid a high price for it. But we're not becoming money-minded around here. Amen? Two servants, can, you can't serve two masters. You hate the one, love the other. Or you'll hold to the one and despise the other. You cannot, that's as plain as Jesus could say it. You cannot serve God and money. Amen. Everybody say, I don't serve money. Someone who does, who's hearing the word, what does that do? That's a weed. That's a weed. What will that do? Choke out the word of God of true prosperity of anything. Not just in prosperity. It could choke something out someplace else. All right. Oh, we, okay. Teach faster. Teach faster. Um, Mark 10, 23 and 24. I think it's Mark. Doesn't sound right. Mark 10. Yeah, that's right. Amplified classic. We'll stay with the Amplified classic. And Jesus looked about with the disciples and he said, remember this is with the rich young ruler. Remember Jesus said to give it all away. And he was, had a lot of money and he was grieved. And then Peter, thank God for Peter. Peter's around like, what? Peter doesn't own bass boats, y'all. He owns ships. He's a huge businessman. He has partners. He's not some poor dude. That's why he threw a fit here. Jesus looked around and said to his disciples, what difficulty with those who possess wealth, I said, use the Amplifier for this, and keep holding it, inter they, keep, they have their wealth, but they keep hold to it. Verse 24. And the disciples were amazed bewildered, perplexed. Why was, especially Peter, why? Because he had money. What am I doing following you around then if I can't get to the kingdom of God? What's the point? Children, how hard is it for those who, uh, then Jesus clears it up. How hard is it those for who trust, place their confidence, their sense of safety enriches how they're going to enter into the kingdom of God? Can't. First Timothy 6, 6 through 10. We'll go with King James on this one. First Timothy 6, 6 through 10. I'm not afraid of the hard scriptures. I know some people just pass over this. They never talk about them, but they're here in the word and you have to deal with them because it's a heart issue. It's not a prosperity issue. It's a heart issue that'll keep you from true prosperity. But godliness with contentment is great gain. For we brought nothing into this world. Did you bring anything in except your bear behind? 
You brought nothing in. And I don't care what they put in your casket, you're not taking it with you. I don't know why they leave all them jewelries on there, in there. Mama's not going to have them on the other side. Please. He brought nothing in. Pastor Rhonda says this all the time. She's like, I will not be impressed that your pile of ashes is bigger than mine. Because in the end, it's all going to get burned up. But we brought nothing. Well, how can you believe God for things? And then you don't care if it gets... Things are just things. God wants you to have them. But they shouldn't have you. You brought nothing in. You're not taking nothing out. Eight. And having food and raiment, let us be content. Praise the Lord. Have lots of it. But there, that we rich fall into temptation and snare and into many. Listen, you said, well, this is talking about the world. This is an epistle written to the church. The world's not reading this. He's talking to Christians because you're supposed to be rich. Don't let this scare you. Don't let them talk it out. Just because some preachers or whatever mishandled some things don't mean you mishandle it. I use this one all the time. I think a little cologne or aftershave is good, but don't mishandle it. Don't drench yourself in it. And if you do, don't get in the elevator with me. You know what I mean? But a little bit's good. They rich fall into a temptation there. Is this true? It is true. And into many foolish and hurtful lusts, which drown men in destruction and perdition. We should not ignore this. Verse 10. For the, oh, here's the cause. Did it say money is the root of all evil? No, but this is a weed that will get into your heart and choke out the word of God. The love of money. How can you tell if someone loves money? Every decision they make is about money. poor or rich, every decision they make is about money. How's this gonna affect me? What's this gonna do for me? Wrong question. Lord, what do you want from me? Lord, what do I do about this? What's your highest and best? The love of money, root. This is a big one. If someone loves money, and unfortunately I've seen it over the 27, 28 years I've been pastoring, I've seen it in people. They get part of what the word says and they, get, they, take, it, they take it and they don't do right with it. It's something in their soil, but, but there's something in their heart they didn't get out. And the Bible is very clear. The love of money is the root. It's the root. It's a root system. It can get in you. And living in this nation, you have to make sure that it doesn't get in you. Are you supposed to be rich? Who's God writing to? This is Timothy. This is an epistle written to the church. What is this? This is going bowling with gutter things in so that you can make a strike even if you throw it to the gutter. Right? That's what this is. The love of money is the root of all evil, which some have coveted. Oh, covet. Lust of the flesh, coveting. They have erred from, erred from the faith. So you have to guard your heart on this one. This is not light. This is guard your heart. Do not let this weed into your garden. It will choke out the fruit. This is big. They have erred from the faith, pierced themselves through with many sorrows. Many sorrows. Pastor Mark, this is not shouting. That's all right. You do it. You'll shout later. First Timothy chapter six, verses 17, verse 17. Let's go on down a little bit. He, he's not even done talking yet. First Timothy six, uh, 17. Charge them. So I charge each and every one of you. 
looking at a bunch of rich. Well, Pastor Mark, I don't have a dime to my name. In Christ Jesus, you are rich. You need to see yourself that way. But I charge you that not to be high-minded and do not trust in money. Do not put your faith in it. Do not put your trust in it. Do not make decisions based on it. Do not trust in uncertain riches, but trust in what? Because if he got it for you once, Job, he'll get it for you again. Who gives us richly all things to enjoy. Enjoy your stuff. If God ever asks for it, give it to him and he'll give you some. Just do it. Praise the Lord. Can you see this is a big, but this is a big weed seed. And for us, especially uh, here in our nation, it's really important. Does God want, so just know, nobody misunderstand me. Does God want you rich? Did Jesus become poor that you could become rich? Are you scared of that word rich? I'm not scared of that word rich, but I have some instruction. I don't love money. I don't seek after money. Right? I don't don't seek after it. Um, I don't make decisions based on it. Trust me, uh, everything around this church, if I would have based decisions based on money, I don't think we'd even be here yet. You you make... um, Things the Lord has had us to do, you know. I remember when we were real small, um, believing God. I think we were trying to. We were believing God when we were trying to get into the A-frame. We were still in the storefront, and man, we were. You know, I don't know if there's probably at that time thirty or forty of us. You know, on a good Sunday, and we were believing God, believing to get out of that storefront because uh, I didn't tell them that the furniture store was about to take it over. They're trying to kick us out. And we had nowhere to go and we didn't have any money. And we had these missionaries coming through going to Spain. And I mean, we had worked hard at saving all this money up. I mean, oh, it, it took a struggle. And the, I was up and I was doing their offering and the Holy Ghost said, give them. And it was a certain amount of money and it was the entire building fund. What? Get behind me in Jesus' name. I rebuke you. I knew it was the Lord. So, you know, didn't, I, I, I can't say I just jumped right at it. And I didn't, I didn't, I didn't. And um, I gave it and got in faith real quick. It was the exact amount of money they needed to, they, it was for, it was actually plane tickets and money it was exact of course it was it was exactly the amount they needed and then after that though man that thing took off the building funds started popping and we had every dime we needed to move into the a-frame then i'm sitting i was in another church with another man's meeting i never have told him this because he would have probably liked the offering himself but while i'm sitting there and he's preaching the holy ghost said um uh, your building fund i'm like oh gosh here we go again because we're believing from the A-frame to get into here. And I think we had uh, $43,000, which back then, even then, was big. And he said to me, um, the Torahs in India, give it all to them. Well, I had to call the board on this one. <laughs> I was like, maybe they'll say no. Uh, you know, so what, pastor, if you heard from God. So I call uncle, because they're building the building. And in India, you don't borrow money. You just don't. You either pay cash or you don't get. So it's 43000 You know how much he needed to finish his building? 
43,000. They rejoiced. I, I, I did too. After a minute. Hallelujah. I didn't sorrow over it because I knew what the Lord was doing. What is that? Look at you, Pastor Mark. You can hear from God. No, no, no. No. The Lord tells you to give to somebody $500, let's say. And tell them it's for their mortgage. And you don't know it, but God's working out something to pay yours off. I want you to go make three months of their car payment. Please, Jesus. Well, what? Well, maybe he's trying to get you a new one. All paid for. Because like seed produces. But it's got, you got to, now you, now, well, I'm just going to do that. I'm just going to go start sowing into people's mortgages. Well, that would mean nice and a blessing. But I mean, if the Lord didn't tell you to do it that way, doesn't mean you're going to get your house paid off. Necessarily. That's where people see that they get off a little bit. Well, I'm going to make something happen. You can't make something like that happen. That's a rhema. But can you give and the Lord will just bless you? He will. Amen. All right. So does the Lord want you to be rich? Why? We're blessed to be a? We're blessed to be a? We're always a blessing. We always have enough to give into every good work. If, If you don't have it, you can't give it. And Jesus became, this is his idea, not ours. He became poor that we could become. But he, he clearly said, you cannot serve God and money. can't. So if, the, if you go to the first thing when you make a decision in life is, how is this going to affect me financially? You need to make an adjustment. Everybody good? Yes. Amen. Can we just move on? Hallelujah. Moms, we'll talk to the moms and dads at the beach because there's probably nobody here. But you brought your children into this world and you have to consider them when you go to make decisions. You need to pray, Lord, how's this going to affect them? If I make this decision, what's this going to do to them? So you get $20,000 more a year, but you uproot them from everything they know in a prime time in their life. I'm not saying that sometimes it's not the will of God. Sometimes it is. And you have to obey God and they'll be okay because there'll be grace for it. But if you're just doing what you want to do, all, everybody all right? <laughs> if you're just doing what you want to do without any regard for anybody else in your home, you have not checked in with headquarters because headquarters cares about everybody under the roof of your house. Now we can move on. Okay. Number two, pleasures in this life is a seed, as a weed. It's a weed. It's a weed. 2 Timothy 3, 4. 2 Timothy 3, 4. So we got to be careful. Our soil is good. The seed is good. But the word of God reminds us, he says, traitors, heady, high-minded, lovers of pleasures more than lovers of God. Do we not live in the last days where people are more, um, especially in our country, people are more concerned about pleasures, what pleases them, than they are what pleases God. 
So it's a warning. So when we let that into our life, when we, we put our pleasures, our wants above the things of God, it's a, it's a weed that goes into, per, into your perfectly good soil where there's perfectly good seed and it'll choke it. It'll choke it, all right? Hebrews eleven twenty five. Remember when uh, Moses, who was brought up by Pharaoh, he was Pharaoh's grandson by, you know, uh, raised, even though he was in a, uh, an Israelite, he was raised up in Pharaoh's house, had everything. I, I, look at what it says. He chose rather to suffer affliction with the people of God than enjoying the pleasures of sin for a season. Make no mistake about it. You know, none of us need to raise our hand. But when you used to be a sinner... Sin, Pastor Mark, don't say it, but I'm going to say it. Sin was fun for a season, and then the paycheck comes. The devil makes it enticing until the paycheck comes, because it always comes. That's in Romans. The wages of sin is, it's pleasurable for a minute but it has a paycheck. Death there doesn't mean always physical death. It could mean the death of a marriage. It could mean the death of a job. It could mean the death of a scholarship. It could mean the death of this. It could mean the death of that. So what is that? But it's pleasurable. Moses was living large. I don't know if we think about it. He lived in Pharaoh's. He was his grandson. And he had to choose. Do I want the pleasures of riches, the pleasures of easy street, or do I want to obey God? He knew what his call was. He tried to do it in the natural first, but he knew what he was called to do. He knew he was a deliverer. He just tried to do it in the flesh. All right, let's move on. James 4. James 4. <laughs> 1 through 4. This is, this is good stuff. From whence come wars and Fightings among you, come they not hence even of your lust that war against your members. We're going to go on, but we'll just stop there. So we have the, the devil, your flesh. Did you, did you all, y'all remember this is Wednesday night? You're going to handle this. Your flesh has lust. Do you know that? Remember in James when it says, um, you know, um, don't say when you're tempted of evil, you're tempted of God because God tempts no one. But it goes on to talk about it in there that the devil, when he comes, he tempts the lust of your flesh. Well, I thought that went away when I got born again. I wish it would have. But you still got flesh. The Bible talks in Galatians 5 about the works of your flesh. Again, talking to Christians. How do you get rid of the works of your flesh? Well, if you walk in the spirit, you're not fulfilled the lust of your flesh. What is the spirit? Walk in the word. If you walk in the light of the word, you'll not fulfill the lust of your flesh. But there are lusts. So what do those things do? They try to get your ear gate, your eye gate, your mouth gate, and they get down in your heart and they're weeds and they'll choke out the word of God. So then um, 1 John 2, let's look at this one, 15, and 17, 15 through 17. Um, For all that is in the world, the lust of the flesh... Flesh, the lust of the eyes and the pride of life is not of the Father, but of the world. The world passes away and the lust thereof, but he that does the will of God abides forever. So 
the lust of your flesh. You gotta realize you have these, what is that? So the lust of your eyes, the lust of, um, of your flesh, the pride of life. You know, all these are the, these three things are really the main temptations. If you go back to Adam and Eve, you'll see that the devil tempted them with these three things. And if you look at the temptation of Christ, the devil tempted he, him with all these three things. So these are the basis of temptation. And what does it do? It's the lust of the eyes, it's the lust of your flesh, and it's the pride of life. And so understanding that, dealing with those, if you yield to them, it's like putting weeds into your heart through a seed form. So does it matter what we look at? Does it matter uh, what we let our flesh do and what we let our flesh say? And, and, and does it matter what our, where our heart is as far as pride and lifted up? It does. And so all of that things, those are weeds that get into your perfectly groomed soil. There's no stones in there. It's not a sidewalk. It's got a whole bed of soil and it's ready for a good root system. And the root system comes and the plant springs up and the fruit gets on it. And then what happens? The devil's like, we can't let that happen. Let's get, let's get some weeds. What does he do? He starts sowing in deceitfulness of riches. He starts sowing lust the lust of your flesh. Then the other one is, he does this. He, it's still the same, lust of other things. Lust of other things. First Peter chapter four, verses one through two. You're, you're gonna handle all these scriptures, right? Yes. Hallelujah. So we looked at that one, the lust of the flesh, the lust of eyes, pride. Let's look at this one too. Uh, the third, so number one um, is trusting in um, uh, deceitfulness of riches. Number two is the pleasures or lust in this life. Number three is lust of other things. So first Peter chapter four, verse one, two, for as much then as Christ has suffered for us in the flesh, arm yourself, arm yourself, arm yourself likewise with the same mind for he that has suffered in the flesh has ceased from sin. Verse two, that he no longer should live the rest of his time in the flesh to the lusts of men. So we have this deal, you and I, where we can't yield to the lust of our flesh. Everybody say, I'm going to yield to the will of God. One more and then we'll go. One more and we'll go. Um, cares of the world. So number one is what? Number one is seedful of riches. Number two is the pleasures in life. Number three is lust of other things. Number four is the cares of this world. So you all know this, Matthew chapter six. Seek ye first the... And his, and all these, and the, so yet it goes in there and it talks about right after that, Matthew chapter six, it says, um, we'll just pick up verse 31 for time's sake. Therefore, take no thought saying, what shall we eat? What shall we drink? Where shall we be clothed? For after things, the Gentiles seek. So it's all about what you're seeking the cares of this world, because it says this, it says for all the things the Gentiles seek for your heavenly father knows what you need, have, need of these things, but seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness and all these things will be what? I don't seek things, things seek me. Only if I'm a seeker of the kingdom and his righteousness. My affections are set on things above. My eyes are on him. Looking to Jesus, the author and the finisher of my faith. It's about where your eyes are. It's about where your, your heart is. Then it says this, take therefore no thought. How much thought? No. For the morrow. 
So I got, I got to worry about tomorrow. I got to plan. <laughs> There's nothing wrong with planning, but no, no worry. For tomorrow, I'll take thought for the things of itself sufficiently unto the day is evil thereof. So we're not, we're not supposed to take thought. First Peter 5, 7. You know these, but what are we supposed to do with all of our cares? How many of them? You do, you do the ones you can do, and then we'll let the Lord do the rest of them. Casting and all means, if you do the, the big study, what does it come up with? All. How much? All your care upon him. Why? Because he cares for you. You were not ordained to worry. Your body can't handle it. It'll create sickness in your life. Ulcers. High blood pressure. Other stuff. Just directly related. Now, I, I am somewhat of an expert on this. I am. My freshman year in high school, I spent time in the hospital because I literally worried myself to sick, sick to the hospital, passed out, all because of worry. Why? I don't know. Just did. Crazy. But I thank God. And I had sickness to go along with it. And really, even after that, because in some ways I was such an overachiever, that it hung out. And really, even when I got in the ministry, you know, trying to make a way in the ministry, become a traveling minister, trying to bake and shake and move and groove, <laughs> trying to get her done. And the Lord worked with me. He knew where I was. But I'll never forget it. After one of my ministry trips, I got back into, uh, I was, uh, I was just, trying to, just trying to do some things, even on your own. And the Lord will let you, just so you won't do it forever. But he was letting me do some things. I remember I came back from a trip. I was uh, living at home with mom and dad upstairs, you know, had my own little thing. It was a great time. But I just got back from Wisconsin, and I, I only had a Sunday morning meeting. But I just got back in time for the Sunday night meeting at the church where I was the office manager, secretary. And um, I remember, so right as I walk in, Pastor Knight's having a word of knowledge. When he flows in the gifts, he said, there's somebody here. You've got a burning sensation in your stomach because the same thing was happening to me all over again. The problems that I was having, the, all that went with it, a, a constant burning, constant pain. And the Lord had been dealing with me. I just preached probably on faith or the authority of the believer because that's what I preached on when I was on the road or the Holy Ghost. And yet I'm still dealing with it. And so what I always did was I would listen to Brother Hagen for, so that was probably a seven hour trip. So seven hours of probably listening to Brother Hagen. And set, yet it was still, I was still doing it. But I think I had made an adjustment or something. Cause I got in, I don't think you, but right as I walk in, word of knowledge starts flowing. And so I remember ripping my coat off, like, like the, the guy who was about to, you know, receive his sight. I remember ripping my coat off, running up, and he said, do you trust me? And I like, uh-huh. And he punched me in the stomach. And I fell out in the Holy Ghost. And I can tell you that I have been healed ever since. And that's 30-some years ago. Has it tried to come back? Well, has worry ever tried to come back? Sure. But do I, can I resist it? I can. But I'm healed. But I'm just, but worry is a big deal. 
What is it? It's weeds that will choke the word of God in you. Come on. You ever go to Outback? No worries. No worries. They got that from Jesus. No worries. No worries. No worries. No worries. No worries. What do you got to do? You got to cast. If you're worrying about it, don't kid yourself. You are adding weeds to your soil. And worry doesn't change. What does the Bible say? Will it add an inch to Will it cause you to grow? Have you ever worried a bill paid? You ever worried yourself healed? Have you ever worried your child, your teenager to do better? Quit acting up. No, you never have. You never will. Will you, will you worry yourself into a promotion? Will you, will you worry your, your company never to close? Well, you can't. Worry is unproductive, yet we all do it. We used to do it. Remember what Opal says? If you've ever worried, you can meditate. And if you're worrying, you ought to change your worry into meditation. Amen. Come on, we all deal with this one. This is, one of the, this is a big weed. With everything going on. Well, I'm just worried. I'm not going to worry. Are you, are you worried? Yeah. I'm not worried. Hallelujah. Glory to God. So, praise the Lord. What does Philippians 4, 6, and 7 say? What does Philippians 4, 6, and 7 say? Be careful for how much? But in what are we supposed to do? Prayer, supplication, with let your request be made known unto God. So what are the weeds? Deceitfulness of riches, pleasures of life, lust of other things, and worrying, cares of this world. So what does it say about the good soil? Not much. It doesn't. Isn't it interesting? What does it say about the good soil? It'll produce some 30, some 60, some 100 fold. What are the good? Well, they heard it. They understood it. They had a good and honest heart. They kept it with patience. That's it, though. Their faith and patience inherits the promise of God. They got good soil. It produces some 30, some 60, some Why? There's nothing left to talk about. You already got, you got, rid, of, you got rid of the stones. You got rid of the weeds. Now you got good soil. Now put this, keep putting the seed in. Water it. Produce fruit. Amen? Amen. Glory to God. So what, who, who's the soil on? The soil's on us, right? The soil's on me. If I'm going to have good soil, it's on me. It's not on the Lord. Amen? Amen. Glory to God. We hope you were inspired by today's message. If you want to hear more from the Word of God, head over to cwol.org. Check us out on YouTube or any social platform under at Madison. We believe God is working within you, and we want you to know Him so you too can make Him known.